As we come to God's Word together this night, there's just two short, simple verses that we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. They're short, they're sweet, and yet they are potent in the weight that they carry with what's communicated, with what's said, with what is held up for us as a Lenten invitation. So in just a moment, we'll say prayer, we'll read those, and I'll close that by saying this is the word of the Lord. And if you're grateful for this word, I invite you to respond by saying thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, as the sanctuary is a little bit dimmer this evening, we see the candle appearing to burn just a little bit brighter, though it's burning the same way that it always does. In the same way, God, we come before you mindful that we are mortal, that our flesh and blood will perish and die. And when we think of these darker realities, your light seems to shine just a little bit brighter, with a little bit more invitation and appeal to come before you. And so we ask this evening, as we begin this journey of Lent, this invitation to life that will bring us to a fuller celebration of Easter, God, we ask that your light may burn brightly before us, that your word may speak to us into even the darker corners of our heart to beckon us towards the light. So we thank you, O Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit that moves in the word and that opens the scriptures to us. Lord, we pray that this word may be our invitation and that we will never stop believing in it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. If you're going to have your phone go off, that was probably the best option possible. (laughs) (laughs) Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That sounds like a really important task. Be reconciled to God. That is one of the few times where where the stakes of what we do actually is a life or death type of matter. Be reconciled to God. We can hear just by the sentences around it and the words themselves that, that it's an important invitation and that it's a holy and weighted task. Be reconciled to God. When we're given an important task, something that matters a lot, that maybe it's the person who gives it to us the way they say it or the authority that they have. When we're given an important task, we often need two things. One, we need instruction 
on how this task is to be carried out. And two, we often need help and a helper. I think about remembering to bring your permission slip for a field trip to school the next day. An important task that we need some instruction and a little bit of help to remember to do. We might be instructed that we need to put it in our backpack the night before so that we don't forget it. And then we need a parent who can be our helper who will do it with us and remember for us that which we might forget. Very similarly, God is that parent who comes alongside of us and makes sure that we have the instruction we need and that we have the help that we need. Be reconciled to God is not something that we can do on our own without some instruction or direction. If that was all we knew, if that was all that the Bible said, be reconciled to God, we would go, okay, how? (laughs) And who can possibly help us make that happen? But be reconciled to God. The instruction serves for many of us as people of faith more of a reminder. In verse 21, well, how are we reconciled to God? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Be reconciled to God? How? In Christ. And who can possibly help us with that? Christ himself, God. And God alone can make us righteous. We're given a task, but we're given instruction And we are given help. More importantly, we are given the helper that we need. Be reconciled to God through Jesus and live into that reality. Tasks need instructions and help. I think about even the simple task of have an Ash Wednesday service. Simple enough. What instruction do we need or what help do we need? And it reminds me that often we we already have a lot of information at our disposal. A lot of times we know all of the right stuff already, but what we need is reminders. For instance, even just the simple act of getting ash ready for Ash Wednesday. It's one of those things where the things I already knew about this eight years ago was don't mix water and ash because that will make lye. And that will burn you because it's alkaline. And as much as we do want to bear the sign of the cross on our foreheads, our intent is not to, you know, scar anyone literally with a burnt cross on their forehead that might last all the way to Easter. Don't mix ash and water. That will burn people. That part I knew. But then there's other little reminders, little instructions you need along the way. I remember one year we didn't mix it very well. And then if you push the ash against somebody's forehead, all the little pockets of ash and olive oil combined would kind of explode. And everybody just kind of blinked in shock as they received the sign of the cross. We need some instruction. We need direction to make things better. That's the same in our very lives before God, that we need some instruction, we need some reminders, because we are always a work in progress. And Ash Wednesday is this invitation to Lent to remember that we are mortals who are a work in progress. We are sinners saved by grace who are a work in progress. And so maybe we learn a few things, but it's also human nature to overcompensate. The 
free-spirited becomes too much of a Pharisee. The Pharisee becomes a little bit too fast and loose on things. Remember the year after we had all the exploding ash dust balls of olive oil? Added a little bit too much olive oil the next year, and then I just felt so guilty and embarrassed, everybody's cross looked like a melted candle by the time we left service because we were just dripping with olive oil with a hint of ash in it. I think we're getting better at this year by year. But my point is this. Of all the ways that we can overcompensate, that we can go from being too laissez-faire to too strict, or from being too rigid to too, eh, loosey-goosey, somewhere in the middle of the extremes is the type of faithfulness that God calls us to with some instruction, with some clarity, with some invitation for us to seek clarity. And more often than not, we have all the information and we need reminders. The ash is mixed with olive oil. For one, it helps it kind of to stick. And also it's a reminder that it is an anointing. Even as we receive this, this dark ash, a sign of death, in the ironic sign of the cross, which is a sign of death, we are also marked with life in it. The olive oil was also used to anoint. To anoint people to good occasions, even to anoint kings and queens. And to anoint children of kings and queens. And so as we're anointed with that mix of olive oil, we remember that we receive this because we are children of God. Children of God Most High, King of the Universe. So we receive this anointing. But we receive it in the sign of the cross. As it's its own information and its own reminder all at once. That Ash Wednesday is a specific and important reminder to come back a little bit. To mind what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. To be deliberate and intentional. To remind yourself to, to maybe say no to some of the things we've said yes to for too long and to say yes to some of those things that we've said no or even ignored. Lent is that kind of invitation to life. And it involves denying, to, denying yourself. As Jesus said, you'd have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. So the sign of the cross reminds us that we're maybe going to deny ourselves a little bit to clarify our yeses and nos before God to pursue that righteousness that is found in Christ. The ash that we receive is dark and staining. It's hard to get out. And it reminds us that we are marked by our mortality and that we are also marked by death because death exists in this world. And we are marked by it, inescapably, unavoidably, inevitably. And yet, we receive this reminder of our mortality and death in the sign of the cross, that ironic sign of life. And just because it's in the sign of a cross, an empty cross, that will lead us to an empty grave, we remember that even tonight, it is an invitation to life in Christ. But to cling to it, to hold on to it, to receive the reminder of all the good stuff that we probably already know, to be reminded to live into the best of truth that we already know. Lent happens during spring for a reason, because as winter gives way to spring, we remember that life 
gives way to death, but in Christ, death gives way to life. In the same time that the scriptures tell us that there is a time for mourning and weeping, our mourning will give way to dancing and our tears will give way to laughter because Christ is our way. And the cross is the way that we follow. And we receive a reminder of that. In that sign, that reminder that Jesus died for us so that we might never die. And that Jesus lives for us so that we might live forever. So we'll be marked with an ironic symbol of ash and death and olive oil and blessing. A sign of a cross to remember that our Savior was executed for us, but also that the cross is empty and that in 40 days and six Sundays, we will be here celebrating that the grave is empty. So we are marked with an ironic symbol of life. And it's a reminder to be reconciled to God, to remember that you already are reconciled to God, and God just invites us back over and over and over again. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, be made right with God. Of all the things that could stand in the way, be made right with God, righteousness, because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the very righteousness of God. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that we could ask the question, who am I? And the response would be, you are a beloved child of God. And that's who you are. And then you can look around. You can flip through a church directory. You can think of your brothers and sisters who have prayed alongside of you and go from asking, who am I, a beloved child of God? Who are we? We are the communion of saints. The communion of saints, what's that? It's a people of grace and truth. Sinners saved by God's amazing grace. And what does God fashion the communion of saints to be? The salt of the earth and the light of the world. People who know that we will die and people who carry the message of life in Christ, that through Christ we can be reconciled to God. Tonight is an important reminder of that. To be thoughtful, to be intentional, to be deliberate, and to be prayerful in all that we seek and pursue and avoid and say no to and what we say yes to. We are people who carry Christ in our hearts. And tonight, just in a visible reminder, we carry that sign on our foreheads or on the palm of our hands.